Welcome to the Speak Life Podcast. What we do at Speak Life is apply truth to reality. We know life is very difficult as it is, but it's a lot harder when you are not basing your life off of truth. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the Speak Life Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Blighty. I can't tell you how ecstatic I am that you've decided to tune in today. My hope is that you're blessed and strengthened in your faith for investing your time with us today. We have a goal here at Speak Life. Our goal is to discover biblical truth and then apply it to life's realities. Again, we want to find the truth in Scripture and use it to live a life of faith in the real world. But first, I have to give you an honest observation of where I think a lot of Christians are today. To me, there seems to be a lot of confusion on how we're supposed to live. We read and hear the standard that's set in the Bible, but I see a huge disconnect from that actually happening in the lives of many believers. The result? Lives lived in confusion and frustration, leaving little impact on the world around them. What's equally as sad and frustrating to me is that I see most Christians living in a horrible space, being overly influenced and led by how the world thinks you should live, and at the same time being unsure on how to live this abundant life Jesus promises us in the Bible. It's not good. So a while back I was asked to put together this podcast and try to explain a step-by-step, clearly outlined way The Bible says we are to live. It's our attempt to take out the confusion and replace it with something easy to understand. You notice I didn't say this would be easy to live out. That's because it's not. I find that trying to live as a child of God in this world is difficult. It can be very hard. Impossible if you don't know how. Jesus said himself, if you attempt to do this, meaning live for me, you will face troubles. Ah, but he goes on to say, we should take heart because he has overcome the world. The other good news is that God has given us the manual. We've got the roadmap to life. Now catch this. The one who actually created all life has left us specific instructions on how to live it. So let's get started. We're actually starting a series that will attempt to answer one lofty question. And that question is, how do you, how do you live the life that God created you for? I hope this is something that piques your interest. I hope that's something you're striving for. I know I am, but how does it happen? To answer that question, is this series goal? That's the objective. But before we can figure that out, we've got to take a step back. We must first answer two other questions. And those questions would be, well, why was I created? And what is my purpose? I know I've asked those questions probably a few hundred times in my life. I'm willing to bet all of humanity has asked those questions. And I know you've had this thought, like, what in the world is this all about? What am I doing with my life? I think the two questions really go together. 
I think if we discover why we're created, then it's going to be pretty clear what our purpose is. And again, I really want to emphasize that what I talk about in this series, they're not going to be my ideas. No, uh, that would be an utter waste of time. But what I'm going to try to do is the best job I can to allow Scripture to answer these questions. Man, I hope you're excited. You should be. Because we're going to learn that, that overall God has amazing plans for you. But you're also going to learn that you've got to do it his way. We're going to learn that God created you to live an abundant life. But that life is only experienced on his terms. I have to confess something that really gets under my skin. It's a pet peeve of mine. It's just the way I'm wired. I can't help myself. But here's what really bothers me. It's when you're giving someone advice or information that you know is critical for them. And as you're telling them the very information that's key to their success, you just see the look in their eyes and you can tell they're not getting it. And not only are they not getting it, but by the look on their face, you can tell that man, they don't even think it's important. And I know all parents and teachers and coaches and pastors can very much relate to this. So my prayer is that this doesn't happen to you as you listen. Again, the goal here is to allow Scripture, the very thoughts of God, to instruct us and shed some light into our hearts and our minds. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us lock in. Just take a moment to pray with me. I mean this. like Every Christian should be desperate for the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's take that help. Take a moment and pray with me. Holy Spirit, quicken our hearts to receive your word. Lord, we need divine revelation right now. Help me to speak your truth effectively and with power. I pray that right now you invade hearts and minds and the lives of those hearing these words. Let the seed of your living word land on fertile soil. Let it take root. Let it grow deep and produce a harvest in our lives that will blow us away for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, we pray. I mean, could we be talking about anything more important than living the life God created you for? Because living it is going to change everything. If you're listening and you're younger than I am, I mean, I'm almost dead. I'm 53 years old. Let's say you're in high school or college or just out of college. Living the life God created you for will give you direction. It'll give you real purpose. It'll give you a great and healthy self-identity. For those of you a little older, it'll impact your marriage. It'll impact the way you parent or grandparent. And so it's going to impact your kids' lives and their futures. It's going to impact your kids' kids. Like we're talking about impacting your legacy. And for all of us, it'll alter the church you attend. It'll impact your job. This life will impact your friends and coworkers and neighbors. Living the life God created you for will impact your eternity and the eternity of the people around you. I hope all of you will agree this is an important topic. 
Okay, some other very important things you need to know before we get started in this series. If you so choose to come along with me on this journey, I have to forewarn you, it's going to really challenge you. I'm telling you right now that this message is going to challenge the way you currently run your life. It's going to specifically challenge you in the way you think. We must understand, and I don't know how this can be overemphasized, that our minds and our thoughts, like how we think and what we think, play the biggest role on how our lives play out. I hope you're aware of this. I I hope you have this understanding. Well, God knows this is true because he made us. He knows that how and what we think will always dictate how we act. He says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Scripture is saying that you or I will never do right without first thinking right. And the opposite is true. You or I will never do wrong without first thinking wrong. Our thoughts give birth to our actions. So my question to you is, if your thinking is so critical... Where do you get your new thoughts from? Where do you get healthy thoughts? Where do you get true thoughts? Well, there's only three possible places to get new thoughts. The first place would be your own thoughts. (laughs) Boy, what a scary and unregulated place that is. Talk about the last great frontier. Would anybody want the thoughts that bounce around in your head to be made public for all to hear. Wow. I know I wouldn't. Second place to get new thoughts would be the world's thoughts. And don't kid yourself. The world is talking to you every single moment of every single day. Now, Scripture says that the world is a system run by Satan. And Satan is called the father of lies. We could spend a lot more time on this, but let's just say nothing good's going to come from option two. And then the third place would be thoughts from God, either from the Holy Spirit or from Scripture. So here's the only source of truth to get new ideas. And my concern is that I'm not sure that most Christians are taking this as serious as they should because surveys show that over 80% of Christians don't read their Bible on a daily basis. And here's why your thinking or your thoughts are so critical to living the life God created you for. Because how we think flat out dictates how we act. And the thing is, our actions have consequences. And so those consequences will obviously end up impacting our lives. Now, all of this is only true because God has set it up this way. He's the one who put in place the universal law of choice and consequence. This isn't some random cosmic occurrence. You know, I asked a theologian about this once, and he told me that literally a third of the Bible consists of choices and consequences. A third. He was speaking as though he was God when he said this to me. He said, if you, then I. If you, then I. A third of the Bible is God saying, if you, then I. 
A simple example would be James 4.8. If you, which is your choice, draw near to me, then I, here comes the consequence, will draw near to you. So if you're thinking wrong on why God created you, and if you're thinking wrong on what your purpose is, then I'm going to guarantee you you're going to be off on living that life. I hope this makes sense. I hope you see how serious of a subject matter your thought life is. In a very simplistic version, I believe this statement would be true for all Christians, that once we were lost, we were all thinking and acting and living the way we wanted. We were in charge. We were leading and living our lives how we, catch this, thought best. We eventually found out that didn't work so well. (laughs) And isn't it amazing how off the rails our lives can get when we're in control? And by the way, this is true whether we're saved or not. It's amazing how much pain and frustration and fear and anger, insecurity, hopelessness can come from leading our own lives. And then, one glorious day, we gave in. We gave in to God relentlessly chasing us. And on that day, we made a choice. Because God won't force himself on us. And we allowed God to mercifully and graciously and so undeservingly save us from us. And at that moment, he radically transformed us into new creations. And at that moment, he showed us a whole new and radical way for us to think and act and live. And everyone who was hearing my voice and anyone who has made that decision should be saying, Amen. Now, we must never forget that reality. We must never forget what took place that day. We can never forget that process. And here's the process. And this is gigantic. We heard his voice and obeyed. That is the ultimate cosmic one-two punch. It's hearing and obeying the voice of God. It has literally changed everything for us. We must never forget that truth. And now, for the rest of our lives, we are all faced with the challenge of how we are going to daily think and act and live. See, we all have a choice. Because God's not going to force himself on us. We can either live the way God has outlined in the Bible, or how he directs us through his Spirit, Or we can choose some kind of hybrid theology or hybrid belief system or thought pattern that we're now going to use to govern our lives. Here would be my take on how most of us end up living our lives. Here's the strategy. Here's that thought pattern that I was talking about. And it's give me a little bit of Jesus, whatever that looks like to you, but then, but, but, but then let me squeeze out like a rag holding water, all this world has to offer. I got my Jesus quotient in. Now let me get after living life. Now the Bible would say that this would be a wrong way of viewing things. 
that this would be the wrong way to think if you want to live the life God created you for. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 12 to, to believers. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, and here comes a very important word in this series, his pleasing and perfect will. Paul's saying that the renewing of your mind is the key to your transformation. Again, this makes total sense because how a man thinks is how he is. Like we said, you've got three options to guide your life. Your thoughts, the world's thoughts, and God's thoughts. And remember, it's because of the first two options that we needed a Savior. But again, my guess would be that most of us take some of the Bible in some of our own ideas, mix it with some of the world's thoughts, a dash of Oprah, a pinch of Dr. Phil, and there we have it. We've got our own little theological fruit smoothie. Our own little understanding of how we think life works best for us. And then, of course, we're going to live that out, and then we ask God to bless it. And if that is the way we think and then live, then it's going to be way off of the life God created you for. And maybe that's why most Christians, and I include myself here, experience a sense of frustration with their life and with God. Now, I'm going to make all of us feel a little better right now because we're going to check out how off the disciples were. James and John, at the end of three years of daily walking with Jesus, daily talking with Jesus, I mean, these dudes saw miracles, healings. They laughed together, cried together. They sat around campfires late at night, and Jesus would take time to explain the deeper meaning to the parables he spoke. I mean, these dudes lived life together. And they were so completely off in their thinking or their theology. At the end of Jesus' ministry, and this is just before He ascended into heaven, leaving them behind. They were still vying for places of prominence and power in Jesus' earthly kingdom. I mean, talk about two guys trying to wring out all that this world had to offer. Now, if they blew it that bad, is there just a chance we can still have some goofy thoughts of our own? So about a year ago, God started challenging me on some of my thoughts, challenging on my theology in certain areas of my life. He challenged my theological fruit smoothly. And it's been really challenging. It's been incredibly humbling. I'll I'll tell you, I've been repenting way more than usual over this past year. By the way, check out the Greek word for repent. is metaneo. You can't make this up. It means to think differently. Metaneo focuses on the change of behavior after a change of thinking. That's what it means to repent, to think differently in turn. I mean, it would be like taking 294 North or trying to head to Florida on a family vacation. How's that going to work for you? Being totally convinced that you're heading in the right direction, 
until you see the Illinois-Wisconsin border and you hear the GPS telling you, or, or maybe the Holy Spirit, you're heading in the wrong direction. It's telling you you're thinking wrong. You see the rerouting on your phone. You now see your error. So you make a U-turn and start heading in the opposite direction. This is how repentance works. And you see how repenting is such a good thing. By the way, I think repenting has gotten such a bad reputation within the church of all places. If you think about it, repenting should be such a celebrated event. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. So in my case here, I was thinking wrong, so I'm acting wrong. Acting wrong equals sinning. Sinning's not what's best for me. It's also not pleasing to God. God lovingly, for my own benefit, showed me where I was thinking wrong. I repented or allowed God to change my thinking, and now because my thinking is right, my actions are becoming right in those areas of my life, and now my actions are pleasing to him. And as a child of God, that's really all that should matter. I had no idea that at the time I would be speaking on this. I think God just wanted to make sure that I personally was pursuing and trying, certainly not perfecting, but trying to live out that which I was going to be speaking on. That's funny that way. So finally, let's take a look at some scripture. And as we do, I would encourage you to see if your thoughts are lining up with God's thoughts. If not, I would deeply encourage you to repent. And I would do it immediately. And allow God to change your thinking in an area. You won't regret it. So the first thing you must realize to live the life God created you for is that he created you for his pleasure. And this happens through relationship. You might want to write that one down. God created you for his pleasure. And this happens through relationship with him. This series is going to be a lot like building a house. And realizing that God created you for his pleasure is like pouring the foundation. You want to make sure you have a good base because everything else we talk about is going to be standing on this reality. At the very moment of creation, God had some thoughts that I think are noteworthy. The Bible says in Genesis that after he created all things, including Adam and Eve, he said, and it was good. So here we have God creating and then speaking. He created and then he spoke. I figured this might be the best place to find out why he created us. Okay, so God used the word, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word, tob, in his response to his creation when he said it was good. And tob actually has three primary definitions. The first one is pleasant. The second is agreeable. And then the third is good. See, I think the Bible translators thought it would simply read best using the word good there. But I would strongly argue, based off the rest of Scripture, that pleasant or pleasing 
is a far better and more accurate translation on why God created us. And throughout this series, I hope you will agree that Scripture makes a very strong case that our apex purpose in life is to please Him. See, whatever God creates is going to be perfect because He's perfect. So, of course, whatever He creates is going to be pleasing to Him. As God's creation, we are to bring Him pleasure. That's why He created us. God created you to enjoy you. You're His. Now, now hold that thought. We'll come back to that in a second. The other thing that Scripture teaches us is because we are made in His image, pleasing Him is to be done in a relationship with Him. Let's first look to Scripture to see how relational God is. Genesis 3.8 They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I have no idea what that could possibly have looked like. God literally walking with them. But it sure does speak of relationship. In the Old Testament, God wanted his people, his family, to build a tabernacle called the Tent of Meeting. Plop this thing down in the middle of camp. And in a section of the tent called the Holy of Holies, his presence would be among his people. Relationship. God doesn't stop there. In John 1.14 we read, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in the Gospel of John, Jesus is introduced as the Son of God who tabernacled among men. No more tent. Jesus became the dwelling place of God among men during his time on earth. Relationship. And of all the ways the Son of God could have led his ministry, he chose to invest himself relationally with 12 men. God doesn't stop there. He sends his spirit to live inside of us, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? And lastly, lastly, Revelations 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. You know, sometimes I think we forget what God puts in the Bible, what God tells us in Scripture, he means. The very same God who spoke all things into existence by a few short words put his word to paper. And Scripture tells us that God created you for his pleasure and that is done through relationship with him. That's it. Let that sink in. It's significant. Here's the deal. If you want to live the life God created you for, then you have to know why he created you. If you're confused on your purpose, if it's not your daily goal, then what shot do you have in reaching it or experiencing it? The goal, the challenge of this podcast is for you to get your mind around this truth. And when you do, all things change. 
At the time of this recording, I've been steeped in this one thought for almost a year. And I would love nothing more than your commitment to ponder this thought and ask God to give you revelation to help you understand this truth because it's true whether you realize it or not. Get your mind around it. For at least a week before you listen to the next part in this series, you need to get the foundation strong before you start building on it. I say this because I believe that this thought, that our life's purpose is to bring God pleasure through relationship, is a radical thought even within the church. I say this because if we were to be honest, we can so often make our goals in life about so many other things. Think about it for a second. Take an honest look at what you live your life for. Think about how much energy and time and thought you put toward, I mean, let's just say popularity in your image, you know, the whole social media thing. Making your niche in the world. Personal success, finance, wealth, possessions, the car, the house, the vacation. How much energy and time and thought do you put toward your security, your jobs, your careers, the 401k? How about this? How about if you're into ministry? How much energy and time and thought do you put toward how successful it becomes? Do you honestly think the reason God created us or our apex purpose in life is to run a successful ministry? I didn't read that in Genesis. I mean, even raising a family, and I I could very much relate to this, as admirable as that sounds, it's just not our apex purpose. I would ask you to take some honest inventory. As you go through a 24-hour period, just check how much time, how much awareness, how much attention and effort. How about this? How much of your thought life goes into pleasing God? Or how much time and energy is put towards the things I just listed out? Now, before you think I'm crazy, or maybe you think the Bible is out of touch, listen, God knows that we have legitimate needs. And he is going to meet those needs. The context of this verse that I'm about to read is about provision. It's Matthew 6.33 and it says, But seek first his kingdom. Now as far as what kingdom means, listen, if we're living in a real kingdom, guess what we would be seeking to do most? And that would be to please the king. Okay, so seek first also his righteousness. And in the Greek, this means his approval or what would please him. And if you do that first, then all of these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying, get the top button right. And all the other buttons are going to fall in line. Get the top button wrong, and you're just going to leave the house looking a little goofy. You know, I think that I'm starting to drive my family a little crazy. And some of my friends... Too, truth be told. Because I quite frequently talk about how important it is to please God. I sometimes can see the glazed look in their poor faces and I can almost hear them thinking, he's not going to talk about this again. 
I think I do it because I'm convinced it's the singular reason for our existence. And if you're going to live the life God specifically planned you for, then you've got to get this right. Look at what Paul writes in Thessalonians 4.1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you. Okay, so we're reading here that teaching took place. Teaching on what? Well, let's pick it back up. We instructed you how to live in order to please God. And as in fact, you are now living. Catch this. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Paul clearly loves the church and he knows that this understanding is key. And in Ephesians 5, he tells the church to find out what pleases the Lord because I believe he's convinced it's all that matters. Ephesians 5.8, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. And here's verse 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. We're going to end this podcast on the ultimate authority on this matter. Hear what Jesus has to say on this matter of pleasing God. We read in John 8, 28 and 29. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Verse 29. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do what pleases him. Jesus says, I always do what pleases him. And that was Jesus' mission here on earth. No greater priority than to please his Father, to obey him. And because he did, he was able to tell the disciples that if you see me, you have seen the Father. If Jesus lived in disobedience, or if he lived in a way that displeased God, he wouldn't have been able to say that. You, if you make pleasing God your priority, then people around you will start to say the same thing. Man, when I see how you live life, I see a sight of God. Boy, things are starting to get interesting. Well, I hope the scriptures we talked about today has made an impact on your heart and in your mind. My prayer is that it becomes clearer why God created you and what your apex purpose is. You will find no better place. You will feel no greater purpose or no greater contentment than when you bring God pleasure. And that would make a ton of sense, wouldn't it? Because it's why you were created. Take this week to prayerfully think this over. In the upcoming podcast, we will look at the very specific way Scripture says we can bring God pleasure. And in return, we get to live life to the fullest. Remember, God has amazing plans for you, but you must do it His way. On the next podcast, the author of Life Chimes In, we get to hear from Jesus himself. He will give us some advice, some advice on how to get the most out of life. Don't miss it. Until then, speak life. Thanks for tuning in to the Speak Life podcast. Speak Life is a nonprofit organization and we rely on donations and referrals. 
If you feel there is an organization or an individual who needs to hear this message, I trust that you will get it into the right hands. If you would like to find out more about us, donate, or leave a testimonial, head over to www.speaklife.world. And lastly, for a list of today's scriptures, you can go to Speak Life Facebook page at speaklife.world.